Welcome to Arash's World. Today we have a, an episode, a very special episode about happiness and the happiness advocate here with us, Pamela Gail Johnson. Uh, welcome to Arash's World. Thank you for having me on and hello anybody watching the video. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so um, we want to, you are the founder of the Society of Happy People. Um, let's dive into that first, because we're going to get to your book in a moment, but I, I, I'm really curious about that. Um, how did it come about? How's it going? And it started like before the millennia. So it was, it's been going for quite a while. Uh -huh. We're celebrating our, I guess we're like 24 now. So it's like our 24th year. Um, that we started. So we're actually going to be celebrating the 22nd Happiness Happens Month in August. We did the first happiness holidays, but the society sort of started like so many things kind of on, on a whim. I was working in the self-help field at the time. I was teaching personal um, empowerment workshops because empowerment was the buzzword of the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe before, you know, you may have been a child at that time, um, but it was, it was the buzzword. So I was teaching those classes and working in that field. And I, I kept thinking, we're spending a lot of time on self-help. I mean, it was the height of Oprah, the height of Jerry Springer, Dr. Laura, you know, sort of radio, which would be a podcast now, but there's like radio and TV shows and infomercials and Tony Robbins and and just all that was going on, I kept thinking, where are all the happy people? So people who take in my workshop were like, you need to start a newsletter. And I'm like, I don't know, that's a lot of work. Because at the time, we had to actually take them to the printer. So you had to write it, get it typeset and lay out, send it to the printer, mail it. A lot more work than what we do now with a newsletter um, online. Uh, but I was playing with it and I'm like, what would be on the back of the newsletter? And I was like, you know, I think I need a humor column because for me, empowerment was somewhat about like when you could maybe look at a past wound or hurt, not all of them, obviously, but just, you know, some of them, like you thought somebody was mean to you in the second grade, you know, and you're now in your thirties or something and you're an adult and you can kind of look back and go, well, that may be a nicer kid or you know, I, I learned to develop, you know, like, okay, everybody's just not going to like me. And I, I you know, you, like, you learn from it and you kind of chuckle and kind of think it was a funny experience now. So I was like, a humor column should be on the back of it. So for kicks, I'm like, I'd already been asking myself, where are all the happy people? And then I'm like, you know what? I bet they have their own club and they don't want to tell anybody about it. So all of a sudden I started imagining people wearing Mardi Gras type masks, walking around chatting about all the things that made them happy. And then I saw this banner that said secret society of happy people because they didn't want any parade rainers there. So that's why they were wearing the masks. They didn't want anybody to know how secretly happy they were. And I just thought that was kind of, kind of funny. So I was telling people about my brilliant idea of what I thought was a brilliant idea for an essay. And they would say, well, when you start it, let me know. I want to join. And so finally, a year later, I started the actually it was called the Secret Society of Happy People. And we were that for about 20 years. And then I finally dropped the word secret because I figured at 20 years, we really weren't a secret anymore. And we're just the Society of Happy People. But it was it was really started just on this premise that um, the society was never about if you're unhappy, let's pretend you're not, you know, you know, let's probably one of my least favorite happiness quotes is happiness is a choice. Sometimes happiness is a choice. There's, there's some truth about that. And 
in my book, we talk about the five happiness zappers. And, and some of those are definitely how we manage them as a choice. But sometimes, like let's say you live in Ukraine right now, your happiness isn't completely your choice. You, I, I, you will still have happy moments, even in a situation like that. But it's not all happy because you're concerned about many things, rightfully so. Sometimes we're in the middle of an experience that that is that. So the society's never been about like, okay, let's pretend those things don't happen or we don't have to manage them. But it always has been about how do we see more happiness so that we can feel happier. And I sort of have always put the definition of happiness as it's, you know, when you feel good. And sometimes different things make us feel good and even at different energy levels. So that's long, yeah. long, long story to long answer to your, your, your question, but yeah. So, and that's exactly it. And we're gonna, we're gonna really dive into happiness because I think there are lots of misconceptions also about happiness and people who are actually happy, but they think they're not. And we're gonna get to, to that in a moment too, when we talk about your book. But one of the things that you mentioned here, I'm thinking emotions are quite contagious. And so when you look around and you're surrounded by angry people, you will, we will take in, soak in those vibes. And if we're surrounded by happy people, again, the same happens. And we see it with yawning, a person yawns, and you yawn as well. A person smiles and it's kind of reflecting on you too, even though you don't feel like smiling, but it, it affects you. So I like that idea very much of like having like-minded, happy people in that group. So it's kind of building on that energy and like, yeah. Well, well, exactly. And actually smiling, even if it's a fake smile. So it is contagious. If you smile, I, unless I'm just in a, I guess, a state of trauma of some sort, I am most likely going to at least grin back at you. It's just an auto reflex. Mm -hmm. But anytime we smile, we actually release all those feel good endorphins, the same ones that we do jogging. So like if you're me and you don't want to jog, you know, even if I'm not in a, my happiest mood, I, you know, if I stand for the mirror and I'm smiling at myself, I'm going to start feeling better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I just, the, the fake smile, I just feel like, I mean, the idea is to be authentic and people do perceive that too when the smile is fake. So you might just kind of be hesitant there. Um, but let's talk about your book, um, Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. And uh, I like the term also practical. There you go, yeah. And it, it's it's quite upbeat and and, and fun. And, um, um, but I'll, uh, the practical thing that these are, takeaways that we can use in our lives and you have four principles and i want to briefly go each of them very very quickly what they are and anything that comes to mind here so these are transformational techniques to authentic joy and again authentic very important authentic joy and yes. fulfillment so um yeah let's start with the first one principle one well the first one is just happiness is personal yeah. we live in a group think world and so we sometimes forget that we don't have to necessarily follow the group sync. And we even can do it with our friends or spouses or, you know, significant others. So just because something makes somebody else happy, it may or may not make us happy and vice versa. And so that doesn't mean just because your best friend wants to go see a horror movie on her birthday and you don't like horror movies, you don't go. It doesn't mean because then you're giving and you're showing your love for somebody. So those are other types of happiness. You don't have to still pretend you love horror movies. You can be like, yeah, okay, it's your birthday. I get it. So we'll go to, to you know, something that's, you know, for you because it's your birthday and we're celebrating. It, it, it doesn't mean like, oh, be selfish, but your happiness is personal. 
let's say your spouse loves uh, running marathons and you're, you're like me and you don't want to get off the couch. No, okay. Your idea of a marathon is like I said, practicing your cheekbone smiles. Um, you know, if you like bash marathons, you're actually taking away their happiness because that's one of their happy spots. So our happiness is personal, but it, that's also a two-way street. And I think we always have to be mindful of that. We can, even happy people can inadvertently rain on someone else's parade. I remember when I started the society, one of our taglines was don't even think of raining on my parade. I had a neighbor knocking on my door. I was living in an apartment at the time. I had a neighbor knocking on my door and she comes in and she is like, I am going to go audition for a rock band tomorrow night. And I, my jaw must drop because we'd been to a party the weekend before and there was karaoke there and she wouldn't even sing karaoke. And I'm like, wow, I had in my head, this is my conversation in my head. I'm trying to not show my face, but she's like, I'm like, I didn't even know you liked uh, to sing and you're wanting to go audition for a rock band. And I almost said something like that. But I didn't because she wanted me to go with her. <laughs> so the next day I found myself in this very smoky field little music room while she's auditioning to sing because that's what made her happy. She needed me to support her and her happiness, not question her about why she wanted to take this career pivot of being in a rock band. And she did create a band for a few years and she loved doing it. She had a fun time doing it. So sometimes I think happy people, we, we can inadvertently be prayers and, and we always need to be mindful of, of that. Yeah, we need to be open to experiences too. And so I've had that too, where there's this, I'm hesitant and my wife like, likes karaoke and we have karaoke nights and she's like <laughs> passionate about it. And it was contagious again. I was like, I want to give it a shot. And then the last time I was just hogging all the songs. It's like, okay, I want to do another one and another one and so on. So it's giving it a shot. And if you don't like it, it's fine, but you might. And you might, again, enjoy the passion that others have and see it in a different light and say, oh, this act activity is actually much more fun than I thought. I can't sing well, but it is fun, right? So that, that kind of mindset, I think. Yeah. Exactly. The activity is fun. And so, again, I think I think that's the, the key. And the first principle kind of blends into the third one, which we'll get to in a minute. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about... Like I said, respecting other people's happiness and respecting your own. So that also means you have to do the things that make you happy. You can't just be doing what your kids or your spouse or your friends. We can't have karaoke night every night. You know, it's once a week, right? So it's okay. I'm not feeling like forced to push in a, in a direction, I think. Definitely. Exactly. Unless you decide to embrace this and this is your just your, your new enthusiasm and your new passion, you know, and that's okay. Like you that's said, okay. Yeah. things can change, you know, yeah. but yeah, you it's about those, those, um, those bridges. Like I said, you always have to, sometimes if, if we're feeling, I think exhausted, we haven't refilled our own happiness tank sometimes. Like there's this exhaustion, I think that's been going on kind of post or in whatever phase of COVID we're in the post or we learned to manage it or we're better, we're at least better than we were two years ago. Yes, <laughs> we can at least absolutely. see people. Yeah. Um, but there's still this exhaustion because people are trying to figure out what fills their fuel tank. And so say it's what, maybe it's walking in the grass or maybe it's going fishing or maybe it's throwing a big party. It's like, oh wow, I haven't had a big party in two years. So now I get to invite more than five people to sit six feet apart or, you know, or whatever that case case is. So like sometimes we think exhaustion is about taking a nap and really sometimes exhaustion is, is about doing those things that just spark our soul. 
-hmm. even if those things have changed. We charge our phones. We, I mean, we we also need to charge, and in, in different ways, as you're saying. And let's let's talk about those zappers, and I would even call zingers, those happiness zingers and zappers that are attacking us <laughs> and taking away our happiness. And um, what do we do with those? Well, I divide it. So the principle too is happiness zappers are manageable because I think anytime we're in a a situation that's draining our happiness, we we have to. Uh, realize we can manage it. Now, managing it maybe like it's a broken bone. So it doesn't mean we just wake up and say, "Oh, the situation's gone and it's it's well and it's fine." We may it may take some time to get through. So I divided the zappers into five categories. So the first category is unhappiness, and and I call unhappiness is a is a little different than other. We we just want to lump everything into unhappiness if we don't feel our perkiest. But I think unhappiness usually is connected to grief. So obviously losing a person or a pet would be the biggest grief. And that could take years or we just never get over it. But other griefs are maybe your company that you worked for that you loved got bought out and you lost your manager, you lost some coworkers. Now you may be gaining new ones, but you still had to go through a loss. You know, if you're still there, maybe you got lost and you had to go find a new job and you were like, I wasn't really wanting to do this. There's a mourning process to that. Um, as we, it's usually for sure as we age, but it can show up at any time, our health changes and our health may dictate a lifestyle change. Maybe your doctor is saying, yeah, you don't get French fries every single day now. You know, maybe it's like a treat you get once a week or once a month, but you may have to change your diet or you may have to change activities. Sometimes we have estrangements with friends and or family that. You know, we're in a space for whatever reason, we're not communicating well. And that relationship needs a break. And, and we don't know if it's temporary or part-time or part or full-time, or we just don't know. And that can hurt, hurt our hearts. So there's a lot of other losses that can happen that, um, that we stop to grieve and that can create an unhappiness that we still get to manage, but it is a longer healing process. And then um, there's stress. Have you ever been stressed? Probably every day, right? <laughs> chronic. It was chronic for quite some time for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chronic, and we, we, yeah. Deal, we deal with stress every day and different. And, and some things that stress us one day might or might not stress us a different day. And how we manage our stress can be very different depending on the stressor. So for some people, it might be doing yoga. For somebody else, it's doing kickboxing. For somebody else, it's just maybe zenning out to a binge you know, a couple of hours for somebody else. It may be just, Hey, honey, I need a hug. I just, I, I need this. And so depending on what's, what's going on, we're all going to manage stress. And some stress is actually called good stress. You stress and that's okay too, but you still don't want that full time. You don't want that 24 seven and it's, it still has to be managed. And then the third one is, um, I think I'm doing these in the right order is fear. We all deal with fears. And so the first thing I want to say about fear, if it's a real fear, like your building is on fire, <laughs> call the fire department and get out. <laughs> if you're dealing with um, a situation in which you're being emotionally hurt or physically hurt, again, take the proper steps to, to manage that situation. But a huge, huge chunk of our happiness is zapped because of the fears in our mind. <laughs> it's the fear of, I won't like karaoke. Uh, the fear, I'm not good at karaoke. It's the fear, uh, so I just won't even try it. And yet we might find if we did, we would enjoy it. It's the fear of our 
bucket list and we go and we just say, well, I can't do it because, and we come up with all the reasons of why we can't do it versus why we can do it. And, and usually there's fears attached to those, or we don't apply for a job that we want. And even if we don't get it, sometimes the win is the act of applying that way. Maybe if it's an internal job, your company knows that you want to do something different and they'll start grooming you that way. So if you just jump through that fear hoop, you don't know where, where it takes you. So there's fear. The next one is chaos. Chaos is temporary. So um, where I'm staying, we, my friend I'm staying with, um, his family has some Airbnbs in the same building we're in. So like yesterday, I get back from the office that I, I'm working at and there was a flood going on in one. <laughs> So there's some chaos because we're trying to get it cleaned up for the people who are there and, and it's unplanned, but it's also temporary. You know, it was a couple of hours of everything situated, the plumber came today, but it was, it's temporary chaos. Maybe it happens when our alarm goes off late. It's and the kids aren't getting up or the dog decides to go take a, a tour of the neighborhood and you're trying to find him before you get to leave or get to be on your zoom call or whatever, however you're working now. Um, so chaos, again, we always have to remember it's, it's usually temporary. There can be some aftermath that might cause stress or a different type of zapper, but it, the chaos itself is usually temporary, but it, it can drain you. And then the final one, which we do have the most control over, it is sort of happiness as a choice. It's what I call annoyances. All too often we, we start our day and we, um, maybe the barista wasn't as nice to us as we thought. And so we write some story that's really just not true. And, or maybe we left late and so we're behind at work or maybe our spouse didn't kiss us goodbye. So we're just kind of like, hey, they didn't kiss us goodbye. And, and we again, write some weird story. And these are really just annoyances because I, I always say an annoyance is that thing. If you won't remember it a year from now, go ahead and let it go. Put it in your God box, blow bubbles, uh, play basketball hoops, indoor, indoor, outdoor, whatever it is you need to do to let go. We all have our own little let go rituals. Um, do that, let it go because, because, you know, why let it zap your happiness for more than just a few seconds or if, if even that. Yeah, I, I think we, we have more control than we think over many of the things. So I was, I, I'm taking a science of well-being class with uh, Laura Santos, who, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's, it was fascinating to me to see that 50% is our genes. So that part, even that part, we can, we can work with. There are things we can do to, to improve our mood and so on, activities, exercise, whatever you want to do. But um, what's important is it's only 10% that's external circumstances and there's 40% that we can change. Our brain can change a neuroplasticity of, of again, changing our way of thinking and seeing things. My own example was dealing with stress because when stress would come, I would feel overwhelmed and that mm -hmm. created and it continued. And sometimes I would avoid it because I'd be afraid I won't be able to manage it. And if you don't deal with it, it, gets, it grows and grows. And so one thing that has changed is kind of um, coping with it and not being afraid and jumping in and saying, I got this. And in many ways I do, because it's that kind of switch. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done. It, it takes a lot of work. But I think like even the idea of suffering and grief, it's, it's, it's part of our lives. And if we embrace it and jump into it, we realize the beauty of it as well. I mean, we don't like suffering and we don't want to suffer. But there is a learning uh, lesson there. There's a lesson to be learned and a uh, learning opportunity. And um, many people are avoiding that. 
And so the concept of happiness goes much deeper than just, I feel good today. It's a, a, an inner peace, an inner confidence, an inner smile that is constant, that doesn't go away, even though things are very bad outside at that moment. But there's that confidence and inner peace, like, I, I can handle this. Something good will come out of it. And we experienced it whole scale with the pandemic and affected everyone, any, any part in the world. And we're doing okay. Our perception was we would, uh, it was the end of the world and so on, but yeah, we're doing okay, uh, all things considered. It's not perfect, of course, but uh, we've managed things. We do uh, Zoom conversations and meetings, and there are there's remote work, which didn't exist before, working from home. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's just pleasant. <laughs> Well, you, you actually created what we talk about in the book. So part, so part one is identifying these things and, and I call it a zap map. So a zap or management action plan. And that's what you just described with your stress. You identified it. And then if you identify it, we always have you divided up between controllable, uncontrollable, or a bit of both. Because sometimes it's not completely, you know, we didn't control the pandemic. Oh. Nobody said, oh yeah, let's have this. <laughs> you know, we didn't control it. So we had to manage it. And how did we choose choose to manage it? We were in control of how we did do that. Mm -hmm. So again, it was, sometimes things are a bit of both. And then you I actually- I like the serenity prayer for that. Sorry. And that's like, what things that I can control and things I cannot and know that difference. And uh, yeah, nobody yeah. can blame me for the pandemic personally, but I can do things to to survive or to thrive even in some cases. Mm -hmm. survive thrive and not give it to somebody else like i said and then you create your actual action plan which is going to change maybe depending on the day so like today it might be one thing tomorrow it might be something else because it's fluid so how we manage those happiness zappers that can even change from morning to afternoon depending on the zapper let's pretend you have a toddler at home so the toddler is going to to some degree dictate what's what's what you're going to be doing to manage you know that's different happiness zappers everything from stress to fear to chaos because they're going to be connected to all three in the course the course of the day um so i think i think being fluid and being mm -hmm. flexible mm -hmm. is is a real key to having man to manage those things but we first have to identify them and when we pretend it's not going on and that includes grief when we pretend it, grief is is often in my mind, it's just this reflection of how much we loved something, how much we really valued it, how important it was to us. So there is a beauty yes. in that. So when but you're hurting- It transfers to the people we still have around us and we love them more because of it, because it's so fragile. And it's we, we take things for granted and there's so much to be grateful for and gratitude is so important, but we often don't see it. And even like, even just simple things like before the pandemic of just going out and seeing people and talking to them, suddenly that came to a halt and it was taken away. And I realized the value of it when it was taken away. Same with health. We see that health is, uh, when our health is good, we don't even notice it. It's when we get sick. That's when it comes to our attention. Oh, no, I'm an intro. I, for the most part, most people don't always recognize that I'm somewhat of an introvert. You know, and so I, but I, but I always knew that wasn't always healthy. So I always made a habit of going to lunch or going, making, you know, going to have coffee or doing something with somebody three or four times a week to make sure that I wasn't just holed up in my, my den writing or whatever it was I was doing, or if I wasn't out speaking. And so one of the things the pandemic taught me was 
Oh, I mean, even as an introvert, how much I valued that people exactly. time. Even though I might not yeah. want to be at a big party, um, but I did value that one-on-one time I had with somebody or, you know, two, maybe there's three or four people, but I valued that and it's, I value it now in a different way than I probably did pre-pandemic and because uh, I was kind of, I didn't really need it. And I do, even like I said, even as an introvert in my heart, I became so empathic. Yeah, I felt such empathy for people who are extroverts, you know, people who want to hug you, people who do this is super, super natural, you know, and during the pandemic. And even now, you know, there's some people I'm, I'm like, well, let's see, you just were where? Yeah, no, we're going to fist bump. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're fist bumping. You're, you're kind of in, you've been in some high risk places. And so I, I still want to be smart. <laughs> I still want to be, be smart about, about interaction. So again, the way we do our zap maps, you know, they're, they are a way to help people, like I said, identify the, the zapper and figure out how to best manage it for them. And again, what works for you might not work for somebody else. For me, it was more the question, why? Why is this stressing me out? And it's like, it puts you on a quest and a self-discovery. It's like finding the reasons that are behind it that often is we're not aware of. And you mentioned at the beginning, maybe things that happened in our childhood that's kind of, we're carrying around with us and it's affecting the way we react to things or we see things. And once you deal with that, it just like sets you relief in many ways. And uh, you, you're free to, to respond to others in, in a more spontaneous and authentic way. Um, let's get to our next one. Happiness changes as you change your principle three um what do you mean by that well i think in some ways it feels obvious like we know when we're four we probably like to finger paint unless we're an art teacher when we're 44 finger painting might not be really our thing like i said unless we're um an art teacher um or super creative person uh so so some of that seems obvious but the pandemic for example it changed everybody who has who the pandemic not changed? Exactly. Um, like I was making a joke early on. I was like, cause they were showing people like, even like say if we were talking in person, you know, we have projectiles spit going back and forth. So I made a joke. I'm like, I'm always carrying a mask with me. I had no idea. I was French kissing absolutely everybody I ever spoke to, you know, cause I'm like, okay, I now do have a new awareness of germs. I also learned that cause some people would be like, I'm like, well, nobody was ever really worried about the people who died of the flu. And I'm like, yes, but now if my glands are swollen or something and I need to run to a grocery store, I'll probably slip a mask on forever. I mean, like, why would I want to risk giving somebody something that might make them sick or, or worse? <laughs> like, why would I do that? <laughs> I just never, maybe in my own selfish world, I just didn't think about it, but now I will. Cause I, I see, I see that as a, I see germs different. Um, and it's before we used to, I used to see masks. I had students who would wear masks and Asian students and I would be like, and they're not sick in many cases. I was like, well, what's going on? Or even if they are sick, I was like, well, just relaxed, you know? And now, now it's changed. And I am, I will use this later on as well. Even if the pandemic is gone occasionally, not a bad idea. You don't want to get the flu and it does protect you in many ways. Well, exactly. So like, think, so that's like a big societal change. <laughs> like, and, and like iPhones, like I don't even have a landline anymore. Um, there was a time I did. Now I don't like, this was a technology change that really changed how we 
do everything. So sometimes we have changes that come that are like cultural. Some of them are based on our age as we mature. Sometimes we may have a change because of something like health, regardless, regardless of our age, our life changes. If we are single and we go to having kids, if our, as our parents um, mature, we may need to help them out more. So if we move into a caretaking role, our life is, is going to change. The question is, how do, how do we change with it? And odds are our happiness is going to change as these, these moments um, change us. So we may not, you know, once we, once we have kids and we're our parents, or even if we don't have kids and we have those career jobs, we may not want to party till three or four in the morning and then be at work bright-eyed and mushy-tailed at nine. That may, even if we're rolling out to be on a Zoom call, that may not really fit and make us feel our best because we're just tired. <laughs> we're just tired in a different, different way. So I, as our life changes, our happiness is going to change with that. And one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make is we try to cling to past happiness <laughs> instead of finding, instead of finding that newness. That's where the happiness is personal. That sort of, you know, that evolves into principle three, because that thing that personally makes you happy may change. Like you sort of like karaoke now. You may hit a window five years from now. You like it more than your wife. I mean, maybe yeah. not, but maybe because something she may, she may have decided she likes something else more. Mm -hmm. So that changes is, is just is natural. Um, as we, as we go, as we go through life, like I said, things are going to change. So I always ask people to sometimes make a list of what made them happy over the decades. And I think one of the unique pieces of the book, Practical Happiness, is that it's filled with stories from over 60 people that really show you these principles. I'm giving you broad examples, but it really shows you these, these principles um, in action. So like one of my happiness changes as you change was, was dealing with maturity. And I have a story in there about a time I did not treat my mother so well when I was probably like 23, 24 years old recently out of college, thought I knew absolutely everything. I was super, super snarky. Um, I, you know, was essentially hurting her feelings about going to something she wanted me to go to. And I didn't, um, I ended up going, but I had like, I'll be there for an hour and that's it. And, you know, had the typical attitude and, and it was normal for my age, you know, because I thought I knew everything, you know, as I got older and then when she eventually passed and I was even young for that, I was 38, you know, I looked back at those and I'm like, why can't I have been quite as mature as I thought I was? Because, you know, now I would give anything to go have that, you know, go spend that time with her in a place that I thought I would not be happy at. And, and I didn't quite get that, you know, the happy part was spending the time with her. It wasn't about what we were doing and that's maturity. And sometimes you only get that maturity when you, you know, base it on a regret. So this, the book is filled with like stories like that, that sort of walk you through these principles and put them to, into real life for you. Yeah. And I think that the last one, just quickly here for, for wrapping up, happiness is bigger than you think. And I, I completely agree with you. And our, our sense of like what will give us happiness or how much happiness we'll experience is often limited and often misguided. And when we think like money will make us happy and we see rich people who are not. So there, there are other things at play. And I think it is much big, bigger than we think. And we have to be able to accept it and develop it and yeah. Well, yeah, so that is based on so the society early, early on 
because we wanted people talking more about happiness, I decided to start identifying happy more what happiness really is. And again, it's those moments we feel good. So if you're exhausted all day, what might make you feel good is sleep. <laughs> you know, Definitely. if you've been running around like you're like a nut. So sometimes it's just these small increments of, of happiness. So we have actually 31 types of happiness. Your listeners can go get that complete list at SOHP.com slash gift, G-I-F-T, uh, SOHP.com slash gift. So we have, a, we have a counter and I encourage anybody to go take the past, say, two hours, whatever time of day you get, it, unless you literally roll out of bed and get this, but if you're good from the night before, but take two hours, go make a line, you know, count every single time you felt a little bit of happiness. Every single time you felt one of those 31 types of happiness, I promise you that number uh, with 90% certainty is going to be bigger than what you thought it would be. Because you may think, well, I wasn't that happy. But most people will say, I actually sometimes will have people who do this counter. And let's say you've done it for two hours. So that's 120 minutes. They will actually have a type of happiness for each of the 120 minutes. And I'm like, wow, wow, you were super chipper. Now, in the whole time I've done this, I've only had one per And so that's over 20 years. I've only had one person who had no happy moments in the a time, the time slot that was assigned. We were at a mental health conference and people started sort of happy shaming him. And I'm like, you know, we don't know what's going on in his life. You know, maybe somebody in his family is sick. Maybe somebody's in ICU and you've got that cloud of uncertainty rolling over you. Maybe you did have some happy moments, but you just can't see them because that cloud is, is so big and you should never feel bad for that. You know, it's, it's mental health awareness month. You have to you have to own the the unhappy or, or the happiness zapping feelings as well. So, um, but in general, most people will find that. I think your your audience will too. Wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for, for being here talking about happiness. Your book, again, a reminder, it's Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. Uh, thank you so much, Pamela, for being here and for sharing your experiences of happiness and, uh, and all the best to you. Thanks for sharing your, your happiness and your smile with me as well and have a, have a fabulous day. Thank you so much.